Howdy. Welcome back. <laughs> Look at you, practically making yourself a regular customer at old Wally's wild world of words and whimsy. Keep your eyes on the weather there, kiddo. There's been some real crazy reports about what we should be expecting in the coming months. Crazy weather events, wild stuff, wild stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm not gonna keep standing in your way on new comic book day. We got the good stuff on the wall just where you're looking. And so you make your way to the spot you know you're headed to. Dancing around the newest issue of the Global Guardians and the First Family, you make your way to the special little section they've set aside for new comics starring heroes that use the Transforce. There, you find it, in the center. Rider Unlimited number three. On the cover, you see Harmony sitting on the side of the road in front of a bus stop being drenched by a harsh rainstorm on a dark night. Her eyes are turned straight up into the sky, focusing on the only things that cast light over this image, a filter of pink and orange. Two streaking lines of light swooping downwards towards her, Starman and Starkid. This is Ryder Unlimited number three, Seeing Stars. And so, you turn the page, and you find... From the cover, we turn the page and we come fading in to Rider Unlimited number three, where we find you, Harmony. You're on your Greyhound. You're making your way, or Greyhound equivalent, and we're making, and you're making your way towards Black Star, as was promised at the end at the end of last time. Uh, it's been quite a drive, and you know it's getting on like getting later you know coming up to like 9 p.m or so but black star as a town is you know getting closer and closer it started raining because it's spring in new york state so of course it's raining now and 
you know, your your wild adventures in Australia this morning and then in Gear Creek in the afternoon have, you know, are functionally behind you by more hours than they were before. Where's your head at right now? What are you thinking? I think uh, I was woken up probably by, like, I don't know, just somebody who noticed I was, like, dead asleep and, like, hey, the stops and mostly did it out of, out of, a, out of like, a kindness. I think where my head's at is... Of course it's fucking raining, because I'm gonna have to figure out, because, like, that means I'm stuck in one place, and, you know, I can sleep at the bus station, they're probably, they're probably not gonna kick me out, but I hate the idea of being in one place, because every second I'm not moving, they get closer. I'll ask, has there been anything that you've been doing besides sleeping just to pass the time on the ride? Uh, you know, this the this particular, like, ride from Gear Creek to Blackstar has been the longest, uh, of the stops, I think there's been like a couple things I've been doing. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, if I'm not reading, uh, there's a, somebody in front of me who like, for some inexplicable reason, they actually brought like one of those like portable DVD players, which wild that they found one of those in the year of our Lord. I've just been kind of peeking over my seat to watch bits and pieces of whatever movie it was. And each time I peek over, I have less context for what this movie actually is. What kind? What kind of stuff have you been seeing on this on that screen ahead of you? So at first I thought this was an action movie because the shot I saw was like you know like uh, this really grizzled looking dude walking down the street with a cigar in his mouth, and then the next time I looked over, I saw that same. I saw. I thought it was like oh this is like a comedy movie because when I looked over there's this other dude who's clearly in a scene with a blind woman and he has back against like the wall and she couldn't see him and he was like freaking out then shit really went off the rails when um I saw the really grizzled man in a tux in a, in a nice suit not like you know goes to a gala suit but a nice suit that you like wear to work fist fight a tiger and it keeps fluctuating and I'm not sure what the tone of this movie is supposed to be and the worst thing is the fact that the when the stop comes and and the person ahead of you pauses it and you wake up to see that the movie's still happening, <laughs> slash that there that it's a series that this person's been watching and now you don't know how it's gonna end because it's been paused. And I'm looking at the freeze frame and I have far less context than when I started. There's this the grizzled man in a tuxedo is staring down a chicken in a bowling alley. I wish I knew what was happening. <laughs> As the fucking, uh, like, the bus, like, you know, comes to a stop, uh, here, <laughs> fucking, you know, the sound of the, you know, Pete, like, intercom system, uh, comes up, you know, the driver's picking up that phone yet again and, uh, just, you know, speaks out, uh, through the bus. Alright, everybody, we're coming up to our last, st our last stop for today here at Blackstar. For those who intend to continue going on through the night, that's going to be a transfer to the next to the next bus over here. Oh, and if you, but if you intend on coming back onto this bus, then we will be continuing on to la towards last light in the morning. Have a good night, one way or the other. And you know, goes to put it back, and there's the fucking the clicking sound and the screeching noise uh, of the intercom. It is a nightmare every single time, and I never get used to it because it's like always a different form of it. You know. It's never the same, like, way you can get used to it. It's always just a nightmare. But the bus comes to a halt, uh, and, you know, front door opens up, and people start getting up, grabbing their stuff, and start, you know, moving along. And, uh, I t you know, she's, like, taking out, like, some kind of, like, notebook or whatever that I've been using to just 
have an external place to keep track of my thoughts is just all right last light in the morning and you know just just trying to not make too much of a scene of myself as i exit the bus and you know nobody really takes any particular notice of you or you know anything you wander into the bus station that's the or you know the bus stop and station that they've got there there's a couple of people that are wandering over to like you know the front counter to you know get their like uh transfer tickets or whatever to the next uh to the next bus over others who are like you know stopping to make phone calls and that kind of stuff i nod uh i look up I, and what time is it again it's about 9 p.m or so I guess just sort of deciding that I really don't have much other places to go. I'll try my luck and I'll wait for like some people to be gone. Just so that way I could walk over to like that phone booth and call that number that a star kid gave me. And you know, after a little bit, you're, you're able to get in there and yeah, you, I assume you just make the call. I hesitate for like a moment before I actually hit like the like, after I punched in the number, like there's a moment of like hesitation. That's that's like a mix of I entered that number incorrectly, and I'm not gonna like get a random like house fight. And also like, uh, is this a trap? This is a trap. I'm, this is a hundred percent a trap. But also, which which trap do I want? Do I want the trap that I'm gonna go to sleep and wake up to, or the trap that I can at least walk into and be prepared for? And I decide that I'd rather prefer the trap that requires me to be as round as little as uninvolved people as possible yeah and then you hit the call button and it rings for a little bit for a moment it doesn't seem like anyone's gonna answer and then the clicking noise and go for star kid hey uh she just kind of quietly she just kind of leads it's, it's like you know just trying to math out what do i say here you, I've acquired this. I've acquired this number through a civilian, and I need to talk to you. I'm hmm. in trouble, and I need your and I need your help. There's a like, a noted silence on the other end for a minute. What's going on? I am being actively pursued by by monsters that, as far as I'm aware, you and your mentor are equipped to deal with. And as far as I'm also aware, you might be the only ones who know where the people I'm looking for are. Could possibly be. Where are you at right now, kid? You can find me at the Greyhound station and gives address. You uh, you got a name? Ryder. And I hang up because I noticed somebody. Because I noticed. Because I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I didn't trust it not to be something that was after me. Nods. And after that, uh, mother that you saw out of the corner of your eye goes wandering off uh, with her son. You end up having to wait a good, you know, little while. Something like an hour or so. You see the uh, like the other like transfer bus go wandering off. To most people, I think it might just be like, oh, you know, just some person, some kid, some dude, you know, wandering up. But unfortunately for you, you have a trained eye for certain kinds of things. Wandering up near the station and looking very casual while doing so. You see this uh, Hispanic kid, maybe 19, if you really had to like peg him down for something, maybe Dominican. He's got this like leather jacket that's got these like orange bands on it, a black uh, or a black leather jacket that's got these orange bands like sort of around it, uh, a black t-shirt with this like orange, like a target, but it's orange instead of red uh, that you might expect. And this, and this like 
long brown hair that's uh, dyed orange at its edges, and he's wearing a pair of like pointed sunglasses with orange frames, and he comes wandering up and is just kind of like looking around, uh, like clearly looking for something, because you can tell he's looking for something because you're you, uh, but clearly is does not know exactly what it is he's looking for. Well, uh, I expected hi- I expected him to have kind of similarly knows what he's looking for because he's around it is uh i'm i have that same kind of jet the that jacket with that with my 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 own leather jacket with my with with those goggles i have a hoodie that i managed to find at a lost and found at one of the like rest stops and i just took it uh i pull that hood up and i pull the goggles down so that way so there's something for the light to catch uh people like us know how to spot each other because no one dresses like us nods sadly we all we all dress like the, we all dress like we're trying to hide but also like we're trying to advertise exactly who we are to the people who know how to look nods then he kind of looks around and he wanders on over to you you uh you rider she makes an effort to deepen her voice and i'm gonna rewind and say that she tried to do this over the phone as well as she waves guilty guilty as charged i think I think just to frame it, I like to, I like the idea that we're just kind of off in a side corner. Not like if you walk here, you're gonna get attacked, but it's far enough away to make a somewhat private conversation. As a as a, you know, I just sort of wait for him to hear what he has to say. He kind of just stares at you like for like a notable amount of time. He's just kind of staring at your face, and he says, "Wait a second, I know you. Those goggles can't fool me. I recognize." And he just kind of like traces a little like like traces uh like you know an approximate oval shape kind of in the air uh directly in front of you that you can kind of see very very in small ways this little like burn of like just orange uh that's like a very little line of orange as though that he's drawing it with fire and he seems to be drawing just like the like rough shape of your head you're uh <laughs> You're that hot mama I gave my number to back in Gear Creek. Well, sorry to disappoint, but uh, but this is business. Well, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't really get it. I don't really get a chance to, uh, kind of stretches a little bit. He's kind of showing off, flexes a little. I don't get the chance to hook up with other heroes very often. Pickens are pretty slim out here, but you know, uh, I'm always ready to learn new things kind of just waves a hand not interested i mm. can't can't afford that right now suit yourself you're missing out on the ultimate payday and he kind of makes a pose there's like a panel there's just a panel of just like it's really hard to gauge what her reaction is because you know the hood and like the goggles there's like a couple panels of that and she's like did you miss the part where i said per- actively pursued <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no kind of person, no matter who you're being pursued by, that I have to worry about, man. Mama, you are under the protection of the Star Kid. I'm the Transforce jackpot right here. Anybody who's after you right now is ba- would just get turned to molten slag under me right now. I'd just be like, bam! And he, like, flares out a hand, and there's and a little, like, burst of flame shows up, and he, it, like, he clenches it back into a fist, and it disperses quickly. And he's like, hmm, ah, 
Lou Smith would be happy if I did that right here. We're in the middle of a bus stop. And, you know, just kind of, like, looks around, like, like, in the inflection of, like, I make one, I'm making sure nobody saw that, two, this kid is gonna get me killed. Yeah, and he looks back up to you, and is just like, so, is Ryder your hero name, or is that just, like, a, you know, real name or something? Like, is that what your mama named you, or? It's the name I'm giving you. For now. That's fair. I'm not somebody to question things like that, but ooh, Smith is going to be uh, definitely on your ass about that. That's what he does. Come on, walk with me. I, uh... I, um... Of course, I do walk with him, and when I look over my shoulder, it's not because I distrust him, it's because I just distrust my surroundings. Never leave a room without making sure there's no, no one following you, kind of shit like that. Yee. And as a, you know, you're walking along with him. He kind of puts his hands behind his head. And just he's walking along casually. Uh, he's got it. He's pulled up a hood on like a hoodie that's underneath the leather jacket that you know is just meant to kind of stop the rain as it's continuing around him. So what's this thing that's after you? Things, more specifically, tailor made to the task they're made to do. Diabolical machines being sent by the underground criminal organization Black Frost. Were you... No, he he stops. He turns to you. Were you the thing that caused whatever it was with that... uh, What was it? A gecko? Back in Gear Creek? Gex. Mm, It had a name? They always have names. Uh, I never asked them. That's Smith's job. I don't get a choice. (laughs) They tell me their names. Very loudly. Oof. He says out loud. Walking, walking, walking. But to answer your question, yes, but not on purpose. I, di- they, I didn't expect. I didn't expect them to have. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't predict charge force trans energy. They haven't. They haven't carried that before. Oh, well, nobody expects there to be charge force trans anything, except for us. That's all we deal with. And she kind of just acknowledged. I. She mostly just acknowledged. I saw. I saw from. I saw that display. That display was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, leans down, kisses his own bicep. He is just living his own something away from you right now. Look, I uh, look. You don't walk into someone else's church with your own Bible. You just gotta let them do what you, they gotta do, you know. And um, uh, she responds uh, as she, you know, I think she takes a moment just to compile it in her head, like the pit, like the sale, the air quotes. The best way I can describe is sales pitch. Underground criminal activity involving human experimentation weapons dealing if it's shitty and you can name it they do it no this black frost sounds like no joke no they're not and i managed to take something from them and they want it back what exactly you take from them what exactly you got the last link to the wielders of light uh, comes to he, he comes to a dead a dead stop when you say that and just like turns looking at you he doesn't say anything he's just waiting for an answer Nods, and I answer him by uh, reaching into like my jacket pocket, and I'm not going to transform. I only have so much energy, and it's night, and I've definitely got to conserve it, but I just hold it out enough so that way it glimmers in it off of a street light. Huh. Well, that's interesting. All right. All right. 
leans down uh and like kind of like leans down like squats down a bit as though he's as though like he was possibly about to get a better look at the belt uh, that you've shown him but instead he like grabs like one of the one of his lapels and kind of like of the jacket and just kind of like pulls it up and uh, speaks into it it's just like i think this one's the real deal yeah i'll bring her back and then he kind of looks up at you Tell me, Mama, have you ever uh, moved at the speed of transformation before? I'm sorry? <laughs> he, uh, like, grabs you, whether you wish to be grabbed or not, and you see him just fucking, like, all at once just burst, uh, transforms into that, you know, like, orange, that orange, like, flamed body that's in a humanoid shape with all the, like, the orange electricity uh, bouncing off and around it, like, fraying off at, it, at the edges of the flame, and he just, like, jumps, and the next thing you know, you are just soaring somewhere. Uh, there is a very short, ah! and then a long, ah! <laughs> just absolute drops character, because I wasn't expecting to go that fast abruptly. And then, and then, just as fast as it started, it stops, and you're like, you, you're just like, like landed under the ground on your feet, and he's untransformed, and he's back into the you know normal civilian look that he had. I uh, there's a panel of where he looks great. I look like a dog that was like, I look like a small dog that was like, had its leash attached to the back of a pickup, and it had to run to keep up the whole time, and it was raining, and I'm shaking like one too. As I'm, like, trying to, like, readjust myself, because I jump, I don't fly. I jump good, not fly. And uh, he looks at you, and is just like, alright, this is the place. And he gestures to, like, a house that's, that is directly in front of, you know, where you've landed. He's just like, you're gonna have to wander in on your own. Uh, and come up and knock on the front door. That's how uh, Smith likes to do things. And he, he starts walking away from you, and just says, by the way... Because I don't particularly like the whole only having secret identity things between people like us. The name's Ace. Ace Armando. And then he uh, just turns back into that, you know, his star kid form. Orange, like, orange flames and everything. Still wearing the jacket, still wears the sunglasses and everything on top of it. And then he just, like, zooms back up and then seems to just, like, go through the chimney of the house nods and i see him do that and there's just a moment because i've got to like re re uh, adjust myself mostly before because i readjust my composure before i walk up because if i'm gonna meet who i'm assuming it, who's on the other side of this door i do not want to be shaking like a like a wild dog and two there's a speech bubble that says uh i don't like it either but i don't know i don't know if i can do it otherwise right now ace and that's kind of mostly just in like you know like monologue speech bubbles like mostly rectangular to show they're disconnected from what she's actually saying and uh she walks up to the door and is like like hesitates for a moment looks around pulls like lapels of her own jacket just to just to adjust it a bit and then she knocks on the door and after a moment the door opens up and you know reveals this like tall man like first thing that you probably notice is just the height on this individual he's basically like he's basically just above the height of the door almost black dude wearing these black slacks and this like 
bright pink like button up dress shirt uh, from like the waist up and his uh, like you can see his chest and his arms is just like incredibly like ripped like this is a this is a man who has this is a man who from the look of him here is like exercises every day but but only does leg day once a month like kind of look and when you can see, you can see his face you know black buzz cutted hair and this like very like weathered like you know older looking man uh, staring back at you and he stares down at you and just says are you the rider that i was told about and uh and uh you know and i think she just nods her head and says yes uh rider that's the name i'm using right now uh pulls out just kind of like Someone who very clearly has been deceived a lot and is still hasn't, and it's not your fault, but she still hasn't let down her guard yet, but holds out hand. And he looks at you and he looks at your hand and then he just kind of like, he doesn't shake your hand. He just turns like away uh, to like open, like let the like front door be open for you to enter. And he, and he just says, come inside. It's raining out. You're letting in a draft. Right, right. And, uh, you know, walks in, um, wipes shoes on. Welcome, Matt. Walks in. As the door shuts behind you and he goes about the, you know, locking the door, you can see, you know, the living room here, you know, couches, some chairs, a, a TV that looks like it was purchased in, like, 2007, a lot of bookshelves that are, that contain various books and knickknacks and, like, various, like, collected things, pictures kind of all around, that kind of thing. There's like a there seems to be this like stack of binders that you can kind of see newspapers sticking out of uh, nearby. Kitchen entrance is not too far away and just kind of looks like you know what you'd imagine a standard kitchen in a house would look like. It's got all the stuff that you'd need. And there's a staircase going up to a second floor. Uh, you know, there's only like a second floor and an attic that makes up the rest of this place. But obviously, you can't see really up the stairs besides like more pictures on the walls. And he comes wandering up behind you when he as he steps. It's just like. You know, this man has so much power behind every single footstep that you can just, you know, hear it all. He's just like, so, why don't you stop by telling me your story? And also what your name is. Um, I think she says, uh, my name? Why is that important? And he, you know, just kind of wanders, like, past you, goes to sit down in a chair and, like, stares at you as he does so. You know, you can hear him kind of groan a little bit as he sits down. He looks to you, just stares at you for a good long while in silence, and just and after a moment, and after that time, finally just says, "Why do you don't think? Why do you not think your name's important? You think your name doesn't matter in this conversation?" Kinda, honestly, uh, walks. Uh, prefers to stand for the moment, but probably will sit soon. I'm just, my name pauses, kind of, again, trying to figure out where to start. My name brings a lot of trouble, and I don't want to bring that trouble to you. No offense, little girl, but I can't help but notice that you've already shown up to my door and are in my home. If you were going to bring right. trouble with you, you were already going to bring it with you, regardless of what name you decided to tell the two of us. Right. Pauses as if she's like, Almost like she's sort of, she's trying to legitimately answer that question. Like, I think she pauses, sort of like as if she's deciding on a real answer, 
Not like a, what fake name am I going to use? Just like, what is my name? You can call me Winter, if that's the if that's what you mean by a name. Sure. That's what you insist. And he leans forward and goes to, like, grab something that seems to be under, like, the coffee table that's in the center of the living room. And he just says, how old are you, Winter? I'm 18 years old. Hmm. 18. Stops seemingly. He shrugs. Uh, old enough to drink in my book. And he produces uh, a, a bottle of whiskey and slides a shot glass uh, over to, you know, approximately where you are on the for the living room table since you're still standing. That's enough for uh, one shot before I cut you off, at least. Uh, she looks at it uh, for a moment, like, and uh, she'll pick it up. Um, her hand shakes for just a second because she's like, I don't want to break this if I pick it up somehow. But that's not what's going to happen. And, uh just kind of like holds it for like a moment um and she and she you know kind of makes the mistake of smelling it first but goes for it any but it goes and then goes for it anyway and goes "Mm." and uh finds herself sitting down because that thing knocked her off her feet like oh jesus (laughs) and he takes his own shot and you know puts it back on the table and looks at you and you know, you know, I I will ask, how close to him are you sitting? Do you just sit on like the couch seat that's nearish to his chair? Are you sitting as far across from him as you can? Where are you sat? I'm sat on the um the couch, and the reason why is I it's out of a sense of politeness of I'm going to sit near you because I'm a guest in your home, but I'm gonna keep a distance between us right now because I'm trying very hard to trust you. But there's a lot of things in my head that's like saying I can't trust anybody. Like, I don't think you want me that close to you. And, uh, and you know, he just keeps looking at you and is like, My name's Smith. Smith Jettison. I don't want you to call me Starman this whole conversation, so pick one or the other. Nods. And I think she, you know, just to ask, Why is that? Why not? Why would I want to keep being called something that I'm only part-time? Alright, I want to keep being called something that I'm getting tired of being. That makes sense. Uh, uh, glance kind of shifts a different way because, like, like, yeah, I'm bothering him. I should stop wasting his time. I should just start talking. Um, Alright, well, uh, Smith, um, I won't take up too much of your time then. Um, but my story, um, I guess I'll start at the beginning is the easiest place. There's not a lot to say, so it's quick. When I was 10 years old, I was I was I had a sword put in my hand and I was and I was told and I was told take down the take down that machine before it takes you down. When I was 12, I finally learned how to do it. A bit slow for her liking, but fast enough. When I was 14, that's when, when I was 14, I would I stopped going to I was pulled out of public schools because I because I could be taught better, faster, stronger. I didn't have a lot of friends, so I guess at at the time it didn't hurt, but looking back, I I think I lost a lot of opportunities too. And just 2 weeks ago, I uh learned what all of that was really building to. And I knew that there's only a specific set of people who can help me undo what, stop what's coming. And I knew this, and you know, I think at this point she pulls out, like, the driver, she's not putting it on, but she pulls it out. I don't know how to explain it. 
but it's the last thing that proves they were here. They're not just legends and myths, most people think of them these days. That's the only thing that can stop Absolute Zero. Because what she, cause she has a lot of things that are that were built because of me. I was the trial run, and I was successful, and she had, and that gave her enough to go off of. And she's gonna use that to enforce what she thinks safety is for this world. And so, uh, I'm looking for the wielders of light and just about any, and trucks, just about anyone who's willing to help. <laughs> oh, the wielders of light. Ah, oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been getting that a lot. <laughs> Why do you think I can help you in finding them? Well, gestures. You weren't a. Me- I know you weren't a member of the of the team. I know a lot about them. I wouldn't say I'm like the number one scholar of them or anything, but you've been around basically as long as superheroes have been in the public consciousness, and you're might you might just be the only one who could even have the faintest idea. I mean, at least. That's really all I got to go off of. I'm not working from a lot. And, uh, you know, I think she pulls out, like, that history book where there's, like, ta- there's like folded tabs and papers and, like, there's, there's, like, pieces that are highlighted and marked and, like, anything that vaguely mentions the wielders is, like, marked. And it's not a lot. It is, like, maybe a subsection of a chapter. Um, I pull out, I hold out, like, you know, like, my own personal notebook, like, pictures of pictures of them and like specifically I think the one that folds out is them working with Starman because there's a threat where they just need to get everybody who can do this thing together um and I think um finally just because it is my only other piece of evidence that they existed period um is I is from my doffel is like just in that same frame there's like the doffel bag with like the piece that piece of purple metal as she just kind of says I don't got a lot to go on Miss, uh, Smith. Uh. You know, it's funny you say, uh, things like, you know, I've been around almost as long as superheroes have, because sometimes it doesn't feel like that. I suppose that is almost true. Kind of, he kind of leans forward, uh, like, grabs onto that like uh that history book that you know history of the christ custodians and history of last lights heroes book and kind of starts thumbing through it a little bit how old do you think i am she has to stop to remember what she's heard versus like giving him a reasonable answer because you know especially with superheroes it's really hard to tell fact from fiction with them sometimes you know so she's like at least 80 85. Wow. Wasn't that far off. It is, uh... It's important for me to make sure that you, that that's clear up front for a couple of reasons. The reason, I, the reason I asked you what I asked you, or rather, I suppose, but I wanted to make sure that I had Ace ask you, 
and then kind of looks up. Ace is, is, you now see, is, like, sat down on, like, the stair the staircase and is just kind of, you know, watching the two of you in case anything happens. And he turns back, looking to you. It's because nobody who ends up with the Transforce under their possession is uh, ever somebody who has a normal story of how they acquired it. And he kind of keeps flipping through. Do you know why this book even mentions the wielders at all, kid? I think uh, she's going to... I think she gives, like, a very, like, oh, I've read the book answer, but I don't think it's the answer to this question answer, but she's going to give it anyway, is, uh... Well, I mean, they were involved... I mean, they were involved in the battle of... It's because I wrote that section. I contributed to this book. And he turns over... He turns the page over to, uh like the beginning of that chapter and points where you can see that this particular section is written by Smith Jettison. You ever just feel insanely stupid? That's what her face looks like. Like, oh, how could I have not made that stupid, easy connection when I heard him introduce himself? Am I that tired? Nods. And after he slides the book to you, kind of, you know, leans back a, a little bit more in his chair. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a historian. By trade, sometimes an archaeologist, but mostly, but mostly just a historian. I write histories. I contributed to this book, one of the last real major pieces of historical writing I did before I consider myself mostly retired from the academic side of it all. So would you believe, while writing a comprehensive history of superheroics in New York, in Upper New York State, I'm randomly struck by a beam from across the galaxy. Imbue that had at some point along the way had simply been some kind of transportation ray in an attempt to acquire people to help fight back an evil enemy that it was trying to conquer this planet and it hits me but because at some point along its way it pa- this particular beam passed through a cloud of pure transforce energy flowing through the galaxy instead of just transporting me not just was I brought to that planet but instead I am also imbued directly with the power of the Transforce. Transformed and inhabited by its power. Where I can transform into the Starman. <laughs> and now every couple of days I need to track down the next beam because they still, they're still flying through the galaxy and coming their way here. And I get to them so I can go off to the planet Krom fight back against aliens that want to that want to take over the planet I bring I bring my boy over there pointed ace and then I finish whatever the fight is there spend a day or two with my wife and then I get zapped right back here and I have to go and wait and find the next one that's my story and then he points at ace ace why don't you tell her tell her yours and ace he smiles and he says I was a meteor and I passed through a random spot of a transforce storm, and it made and it turned me into a sentient ball of orange energy. And I crash landed in this in this in in this old fuck's backyard. And he had to uh, tame me down because I'm too I'm just too raw and powerful to be tamed, baby. <clears throat> and then after he uh, pushed me back down and got me into this little human form, I uh, spotted an actor I really liked, and I decided I was gonna shape shift into him as for my civvy form. I like being. I, I like. Be, I like. Uh, I like speaking Spanish. So I took the. So I took a Spanish name. I mean, I, I think that gets a chuckle out of her. Like, that's a way to go, right? That's one way of doing it. Smith kind of speaks up. Nobody who gets. Nobody who gets 
given this power is ever given it easy. No one ever gets this power is ever given it in a way that they would have preferred to have it. Generally, it's always sudden or by abrupt circumstance. And then we and then we all end up down the road that we all end up down eventually. Lonely little heroes. No friends. Isolated from everyone else. Fighting with everything that we've got to keep justice in the planet and in the galaxy. When the Conquering Collective decide that they're done with the planet Krom because they decide that they want to take me down so that they can finish conquering the planet Krom, sometimes they send their people here, and then I fight them here. I had so many fights out here that they named, that they named the town after my heroics. The wielders were lucky. They, they, their fights were finished. And they retired. That's the last time I saw them. That's where you're going to ask. They held a little retirement party, and because we have shared a couple of enemies in the past, I showed up to wish them farewell. That would have been in about 2001, so 18 years ago. <sighs> Shit. As she kind of just, like, takes a moment to, like, be like, just because she's, like, I think she was just kind of like hoping, like, oh, this, would, like, this will take me somewhere. But like, uh, like you know that that moment of, oh, I'm back at square one before like breathing back in and like, all right, all right, can't, can't give up, can't give up. Just like, okay, okay. Two thousand one. That's unusual. I, I, superheroes don't easily fall off the grid like that. I'm almost impressed. Well, you'd be surprised. What can happen when you just. Well, either when you're not needed anymore, or you decide that you don't need to be needed anymore. I can't speak to much about what was going on with the wielders, but I, I know that I had assisted them. <sighs> he stops. He's in, and has to think for a moment. Dates are his thing, but also this is his memory, so he's got to like kind of fight it a little to remember it. The last time that I fought side by side with them probably would have been about ninety-eight, ninety-nine, somewhere around there. They were fighting against Girmagor, the Clockwork Empire, and being a space-based threat that was manipulating the Transforce in a way, it of course meant that it also fell into my jurisdiction of being something that I had to deal with from time to time as well. One of my few trips down to that shithole last light meant that I uh, showed up to assist them when they couldn't get their Palisades out in time to help deal with a particularly strong invasion force that they'd sent down at that time. After I finished dealing with that, I went off to continue dealing with my own stuff. From what I understand, they beat back Girmagor. I think there was some kind of follow-up fight that occurred sometime a little bit later in 2000 that I... He squints because he's thinking now. I think maybe their base was pretty heavily damaged during that or something, something along those lines. I remember that they held their retirement event afterwards and I remember getting informed that Gordon had seemingly exited off of the planet in some way, shape, or form in about 2002, but I never went to investigate why. She she cuts him off. Gordon? You know, do you not know Gordon? Or do you only know what I, whatever I wrote down here? She has to kind of go through her memory banks of, like, and then shakes her head, like, uh, no, not, I only, I know what you wrote down, and I know what was, uh, in old... News broadcasts, mostly. And uh, he says, uh, Gordon, the uh, one that gave them their powers. 
the he stops trying to find a good way to explain it but an ult, and you know looking and settles on he's not he's an entity not quite an avatar i suppose but an entity that exists within the trans force itself generally from what i know from what i've come to know about him always sought to use the trans force to well give it to people he considered to be worthy so that they could assist in his never-ending battle to fight back against the forces of evil or those who would seek to use the Transforce for their ill-gotten gains. The Transforce, of course, is just energy as anything else. Anyone can tap into it if you know how to get to it. Gordon just happened to be, well, someone who tapped into it in such a way that, they, that he lived in it now. I don't know where he is anymore. Which means that currently the strongest Transforce wielder and user that exists down here on Earth is little old me. And I'm not quite at Gordon levels of being able to manipulate it, but I certainly know what I'm doing. Imbued with pink energy, for God's sakes, I should. And uh, with that, I think she nods and and sort of, sort of I think asks, like, pink energy, I, I read about that actually. I don't fully grasp what all the colors do um and gestures at that per at that purple plate that's i assume that's purple energy right he looks at it mm, a little bit more a little bit more complicated when it comes to the palisades and stuff that i know that the wielders of light enjoyed using but that would be violet turbines old palisade or at least a little piece of it so that would, in fact, be at least moderately imbued with purple energy from the Transforce, yes? Yeah, I tried I tried to attach it to my suit, see what would happen. Um, I'm, only, I'm only aware of the energy I use. And it's supposed, and from what I understand of it, it's supposed to be compatible, but it was rejected. It was close, but, like, just tries to think of a way to put it. Imagine you bring two people together who you think would work well together, but then the other one's like, at the last minute, nah, and then shoves them out a window. That's what happened. Hmm. Strange allegory. But it works, right? <laughs> Shrugs, I suppose. See, this thing would never be able to bond with you, he gestures at it, because it was because it belonged to Violet Turbine's Palisade, which means that it was connected directly to uh, the Violet Turbine, obviously. Right. He's about to start explaining that, but then he stops. You've been given this energy. You've been trained in the ways of using this energy. And you're aware of this Black Frost organization that is using it somehow with their creatures, with their everything. But what do you actually know about the Transforce? And she takes a moment as uh, she responds. It's, from what I understand of it, it's raw, un untapped power potential divided into colors but meant to work in harmony with itself and i'm aware that in order to tap and tapping into it is it can be mostly a feat of engineering as she taps that belt one of the ways to tap into it is to connect connect to it through the sun that's why old some wielders have been known to hold their their drivers up to the sky first before turning them on see you're functionally right the transforce as it is is just a again 
It's an energy force. Moves through the galaxy, connects to all things in some way, shape, or form, mostly through an emotional spectrum that's then transformed into a further color system that divides its energies into different forms. And then, of course, the engineering that you discuss is less of a way to catch it, more a way to harness it in general. He kind of, you know, like, he's, you know, the button-up shirt that he's wearing is, you know, just kind of a, you know, short sleeve thing, but he, like, kind of flicks out his, his arm a bit. And you know he holds and you know holds his hand out and you know you can see a his wedding ring uh, and b uh, that he's wearing this like v- this like very subtle like little silver bracelet and he says this is the star reader and it keeps the pink energy in check so that I can not have to be in that form at all times he gestures he says one two the star successor she investigates it closely because I think this is the first time she's ever interacted with like. Something that's more, it's not magic, but it's more arcane than how she's used to seeing the, like, Transforce be handled. Most of the time it's, like, through machines and theorems and math. This is different. And she's clearly not used to that. And uh, he's just like, see, we're lucky. We know a Transforce scientist back on that planet that we fight on, back on Krom, that helps us keep in our forms, made these for us. Here on Earth, we don't exactly have people whose entire dedication is only to studying these things. You know, mostly you had people like Gordon who just could do it. And it meant that the wielders could just get whatever they needed from him. Or I guess his little robot buddy. Uh, they really needed something to be built since I guess Gordon didn't have hands. I think uh, she mentions, uh, I think she kind of quietly mutters, well, I guess I guess I can think of one. But that's not obviously helpful. And uh, she continues on. Um, you mentioned you mentioned that things that were built, the Palisades. As I said, I as I've as I led with, um, I'm being pursued by Black Frost, and that's in fact part of why I'm seeking out the Wielders of Light. They're the only ones. They're equipped to. They have the those what they had. Their Palisades. They them as a team. Everything. Uh, speaking of the Palisades, actually. I can't. I don't think I. I don't think I can or should expect you and Starkid to show up whenever I get attacked by a by one of those machines, or worse yet, it's attacking something around me. I'm gonna need to be able to handle that on my own before I find the wielders. Do you know what happened to the Palisades? Cause that's a mystery. Cause I can't imagine. I can't imagine they just put those in a scrapyard. He he shrugs. Visibly so. I, sorry. I wish I could give you an answer for what could happen to them, but uh, much like how I don't know where the wielders are right now, the only people who would know what happened to the Palisades would also be the wielders themselves. And listen, he, he kind of leads forward again. I wish I could be more helpful to you. Really, I do, in a, in a weird kind of way. But I just want to make this clear. The reason I opened up with my age is because when they first got their powers, they would have been about 17. I would have been about 50, 53 maybe. We're not exactly the people who exchange numbers and hang out on the weekends. We're not exactly people who would have been friends. The only thing that we would have had in common would have been the enemies that we shared. 
from from time to time. And even then, that's only whenever they fought someone from space. Most of what they fought were strange Transforce witches and a strange skull-themed fascist. There was just never much reason for us to keep in touch with one another, is all. Outside of things going wrong with the Transforce, I had no reason to talk to Gordon. Outside of enemies that we needed to, f- to share for a fight, there was no reason for me to travel down to Last Light and help the wielders fight something. No matter, no matter how few times we did fight alongside each other, it never made us friends, necessarily. Just contemporaries with the things that we dealt with. And I... I hate that city. I have no intention of ever being there for much longer than... any more than I need. You mentioned it was a shithole. That's pretty contrary to what everyone else I hear about talk about last light. No offense, but it's just a city. What did it do to you? It's not a, It's not about anything that it did to me. It's just that there's no reason to stay there for any extended period of time. And he, he holds up his hands. Listen, I, under, I can understand the irony in the statement that I'm about to say. I know how exactly how seemingly infinite my own conflict seems. But in Last Light, it's just day after day after day of things to deal with. For as many things as I've had to fight over my over my decades doing this, at least at least I get a couple days of, as a, for a break. At least sometimes when I go to Planet Crom, it's just not something that I need to fight. Sometimes I just get I catch the beam and I can be with my wife. But in Last Light, if you decide you want to be a hero in Last Light, if you decide you want to do anything in Last Light. Villains everywhere. It's like everything everything goes wrong there. Everything happens there. Just everything everything is always happening there. So it means that every single two-bit criminal or large-scale terrorist decides that they want to operate out of Last Light. And every single hero that decides that they need to stand up constantly decides that they're going to stand up against them in last light and every single kid seemingly looks up to them and then they find out they have their powers and they put on a mask and they start fighting every single time and i just hate the idea of having to stay down there for any period of time it's why i admire the wielders they just quit once they realized that they were through you know would have been 30 or something and they just decided hey i want to have a life now and they moved on i respect that frankly I'm sure. I'm sure that if you went and talked to them, and you found them, and and told them about the situation, from what I remember about them, I'm sure that they'd all suit up and and help you fight back against this thing and get it done in a day or two, and then just probably just go quietly back into retirement. They're not superior. They're not expected to fight every single thing that they see. They're not part of any unions. They're not anything. Frankly, I don't even know how people even operate in Last Light at this point. Not after everything that happened back in... He stops. He's like, as he's thinking, he's like, when was that? And uh, from the staircase, Ace just said, 2011. Pops, 2011. And he's like, yeah, 2011. Little Captain Halcyon thing. Right. She pauses, because, like, she didn't get a lot of outside media, but she's just, like, it's hard not to hear about that from someone who has Serenade's goals. Nods. She's like, even I've heard of that. And I didn't exactly have the most engagement with media growing up. But I just... That place is a mess. 
You go down there, you stay there long enough, all you're all you do is make more enemies, find more people who will just hate you for what you do. If it's not the government itself, because they're trying to regulate heroes more and more ever since what happened, and as much as I don't like it, I can't say that I blame them. Or just every enemy that decides that they want to pick a fight with you down there, just because you happen to be a hero operating there. Last Light City's just a mess. Just a. I want to be there as little as I possibly can, and I've succeeded in that goal. I hate, I hate being around those crowds. I hate be having the expectations. I'd rather just be up here. It's quiet. Not many people live around here. The people that know about Starman barely know about old historian Smith Jettison living nearby. I don't like the that hustle and bustle of the city. I still remember. He points. I still remember when Last Light was a much smaller town back when I was a child, and I wasn't even there, and I didn't even live there that long. I'm from I'm from nowhere, Massachusetts. That's the name of the town. It's, I, I think it's the thought bubble that she says of who would just call the place they live nowhere. And then, and then there's a panel of of like to the left of copyright. Um, Eustace Muriel encouraged the cowardly dog, and she's like, ah, I guess that makes sense. As a, I think when she finally responds of, well, unfortunately, it's looking more and more like that's a mess. I'm just gonna have to. That's a dumpster pile I'm just going to have to dive into like a certain duck. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, seems like you're already planning on heading down there anyway. Uh, yeah. He turns, he look, he's disgusted. He's like, she's like, eh, like I say, it was the last place they were seen, and if they're going to be anywhere, it's going to be living there. For your sake... For your sake, kid, I hope that they're down there so that you can just find them and get it over with. For their sakes, I hope that when they retired, now because they'd be in their 50s now almost. Just about, I think. Or about to be in their 50s at least. I, yeah, For their sakes, I hope that they moved and, reti- and enjoyed their retirement somewhere else. <clears throat> but I'm sure that... Because of how things work, minimum, even if they did move, one of them has to be there. And then if you find them, the rest will come. And I feel sorry uh, for leaving you on your own with with any of this. So let me clue you in a little bit more. Because it seems like you don't know much about the Transforce, meaningfully so. Leans in, interested. But before I do that, I need you to, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, shoot. You've you've said what this or you said what the Black Frost organization can do. So now let me ask you, what does this absolute zero actually do? What is she capable of? Is she an all-powerful skull fascist? Does she cast magic using the Transforce? Is she an unstoppable machine who leads an empire of robots? What's her actual gimmick? What's ma- what makes her a specific threat besides just the resources she has. She stops for a moment to actually have to stop and think because and I think we actually maybe not like get like a full picture render but enough to give the audience of what Absolute Zero looks like. You know, the long red cape, the, the long red cape with the red hood, the shadowed figure, the singular red glowing eye that, that implies a bit of a mask but not enough. 
as you know with like the ice cold around her as i think what she eventually settles on is and you know just i think also in that same shot we just see maybe in like subsequent panels we see like the snowflakes the diabolical machines as she's just really kind of working through this thought as uh, she says is all of the above an answer it, is, it isn't You've said she has machines. You said she has whatever, this technology. That's not what I'm asking about. I'm asking. If I was going to fight her one-on-one, -on -one, for example, I doubt she'd be targeting me right now anyway. It seems like she's got her own goals, being you specifically. But if I was going to fight her, what can she do? Well, the one thing... Well, to start... Just to start somewhere, you mentioned that there's not a lot of scientists on Earth who understand the Transforce. I can tell you two of them. One of them is their subordinate as we get a shot of um, Professor Y uh, with just like, you know, like the claws flared out in, in silhouette behind her. Professor Y, disenfranch disenfranchised, ma disenfranchised mad scientist hired onto the project been spending the last some odd years studying studying it longer than i've been alive that's for sure and the second is herself i don't think she's a wizard i don't i don't know if she's necessarily a wizard who can use the tra a witch who can use the transforce but she can certainly do some things as we get a shot of like we see encased in ice it is a um it just looks like a deck of cards with like cool looking figures on them we can't really see, like, the specifics of what's portrayed on them, but they're very clearly modeled after, like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering or stuff like that. Encased in ice. Like, you could see where the deck was falling out, about to fall apart as it was dropped out of her hands, but it was just frozen almost... If if not just in ice, but also as if in time, as if it was frozen midair and stuck to that ground, stuck to the ground in that, in a spike. And the reason why it was... And the reason why it's put there is because... She saw it as a distraction when I was supposed to be when, she, when I was supposed to be learning how to parry. She is, she commands a very fierce. Um, I know you mentioned not to mention resources, but it can't be helped but worth mentioning. She commands a very, very fierce loyalty over, over her machines. I'm pretty sure because they're. I'm pretty sure because they're a degree of immortal. They, they'd be willing to die for her as much as as much as it would take the chance of coming back again i don't know the specifics of how it works but she uses the transforce to grant them life after why makes them and that's her gimmick i say all of the above because from what you described it sounds like she listened to the best hits of their villains and put them together in one mm -hmm. mm. that's uh <sighs> okay i'm getting an idea of exactly what kind of threat this is Unfortunate. Uh, I, she looks at him curiously. He leans back. Uh, it's just a shame that there aren't as, that there are not, in fact, as many of us as there used to be. I'm sure if I really went looking, there's probably still a still a couple of us scattered across the world. But uh, from what I from what I remember, from what I'm sure of, I'm sure that there's not that many comparatively to where we once were. No more. Silver Cyclones, and Wielders, and myself, and all sorts of others running around to a 
gotten a hold of it over the course of the last hundred years since it really started smashing into Earth after Gordon showed up. I almost wonder if that's what she's counting on, you know? Not enough of us left. And gestures itself. Made one. And that gets me to the last thing, I suppose. You leaned in, you were real interested. What questions about the Transforce do you want me to, to answer for you? Instead of just dropping information on you like that. I guess the big question I have is... She left me... She only told me what I needed to know rather than what I wanted to know. She said the the energy... She always commented the energy I, I used. This... I think she called it opalescent. When I asked her what, why the distinction, she always mentioned, it's the only energy you'll need. He squints. Ferocity, precision, that's what I'm supposed to be. Mike, can I be more than that? Opal Transform. Transform for me. She uh, gets up and she's not saying no, but she is explaining. All right, I've only got a couple of the. I've only got a couple of these, but as a, it gestures, it pulls from a solar battery. As she, you know, puts it on, belt goes around. He, he holds up a hand. Stop. Driver online. Was about to get into into pose. Looks back. Looks back. Solar power. Fine. Consider this a freebie. And he stands up and he wanders over to you. And like as he's walking, uh, you know he. Like reaches out and he very and very silently he you know that he he can and fucking even Stark it seems to like lean up like oh 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 as if he's gonna do it but instead he just like silently like hits uh, something on his little bracelet and it kind of glows a little bit and then you see him just like all at once there's this like flash of pink energy and there he is you know neon pink glowing skin shirtless ripped the black star over his face the lines down to make it look like a shooting star the black trunks the boots star man standing before you at human height and he reaches forward reaches a hand down towards you and starts to like it's the best as i can describe it like he starts just sending uh like energy off of his fingers uh like into your belt and you uh can see you know fucking the like the like the electricity that seems to just be coming off of his his fingers goes straight into like the solar panel itself and he just you know does this for a moment and then like takes a step backwards and you know is just standing there still fully transformed and then you just hear your belt uh loudly declare fully charged and she just mutters like just kind of like you know it's different hearing about starman it's different standing in front of him and watching him just do that it just goes whoa just kind of gets awestruck for a moment you know nods and then while you're standing there awestruck he just says all right you should be fully charged transform show me right okay and you know just kind of hype self up because even if it wasn't something Serenade explicitly explained about the Transforce, I think it's something she's grogged at least a little bit. Is if she hypes herself up a bit, she it's easier to transform. As she, you know, presses a button to to get it glowing, and she takes a pose, and then goes, and Shin, and then presses the button, and uh, I'll walk through the transformation sequence in brief spades, but 
first the black bodysuit forms as like a ring or like ring starts at her feet goes upwards um lights shine around and clamp around her her arms the ch- the torso oh, like the boots and uh the helmet um the visor doesn't form yet but like the mouthpiece does of like almost like a snarling like a snarling motif and uh the last thing that forms is like there's a um a beam of yellow light that starts at the forehead shoots upwards and uh, splits into the V crest, which causes like a couple of other smaller V V decorations to shimmer around her bracelets and like around her ankles, and um, that's when the red visor glows as a uh, the as a shimmering white parted parted cape flows out last. And uh, as you, and you know your as your transformation uh, finishes, Ace stand like you know stands up and is wandered on down and. Is just like, oh shit! Look at oh shit, yo Smith! Look at that! Look at that! And it's like he's like circling around you uh, a little bit, looking you up and down, just like the mama's got style. She said, "I think she comments." Well, I mean, this is just the default appearance. I haven't really messed with it much yet. If I, if that, and then smaller speech will, if I even can. Uh, and he continue, and you know, fucking uh, Ace continues, just kind of wandering around you looking you up and down uh just like taking in the design and you know he smith now fully starman so thus i'll refer to him as such steps forward to you and he kind of holds out you know a hand just like you know palm first like aimed towards you and you see uh the like that black star that's over his face starts to like very slightly shift to like a a little bit of like a grayish color uh as he's like just scanning you and then it like slowly shifts to like a you know a a sort of like vaguely a similar color to like where you know like the same sort of like off-white that your armor is squints and you can see him squint and he says hmm this doesn't make any sense what should i be worried uh well i'll give you this one for free on one hand i can he points you were just you said that you were the prototype. Is that belt also a prototype? Yes. I was meant to have this I was meant to have this one and the one that she would use would be an iteration on it. But, you know, I've sort of, as you could tell, uh, but I've delayed that project, thankfully. Mm. So then you're aware that this that the flaw with this thing is that it charges slowly and it burns through your energy even faster? I I say I say this as I'm watching it go down from 100% to 98%. Like, yeah, you're telling me. (laughs) Uh, Good. I thought that I was giving you bad news. I can sense the energy being drained out of you. But more importantly, I said before, currently I'm the most powerful Transforce user that exists on the Earth, considering the fact that we don't know where Gordon is. But... Part of this energy and what I'm able to do with it is sense the power, the different forms of the Transforce that users of it use. But you, Winter, he stops. He's just silent for a good moment. He's like, continues scanning. This is no color of any tra- of any Transforce that I've ever that I've ever come to know. It's certainly the Transforce. I feel it. But this, but this, this isn't. I mean, there's no such thing as white energy in the Transforce. Or anything close to it. White is an absence of color, not a color. 
as a she's like kind of following like um you know like like you know in the in the comic of this like kind of like visor goes wide to get shocked like absence of color and then she kind of continues on but the trans horse is like based on emotions and it's based on like as you said based split up split up based on emotions and based on its color and emotions but like so what does that mean for this well i can't i can't speak in particular to i can't speak in particular to the kind of emotional state you exist in i don't know this is a again something i've never seen before something i've never saw i've ever experienced like i said there's no white energy inside of the transforce there are colors even the closest to white that we can get your grays and your sky blues or <sighs> nothing nothing like this there's no there's no blank energy in the transforce I don't know what it could mean for your emotional state. <clears throat> and unfortunately, because I've never seen something like this before, it means that I can't say for sure what it's supposed to be. Perhaps it's something that only someone like Gordon would actually know, or someone who's studied it, or perhaps the people who built this. Maybe it wasn't just the fact that it was Violet Turbine's core palisade, which would have been enough to remove you, but instead it's just the fact that this thing is not meant for such for something like that. I don't know. And uh, she tur- and she turns and she says, "It's fine if you don't have an answer, but this besides this Gordon, what do you think? What's your closest theory? Doesn't have to be the right answer. Just I just need something, even if you don't think it's a even if you're not a hundred about it. What do you think it could mean?" Kid, I have no theories. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've never seen I've never seen Transforce that has no connection to it. Just kind of looks at hands. Remembers like that little spiel I gave of ferocity and precision and just kind of thinks about that for a little bit. Goes quiet. And he, he and he and while he's like doing this to you, he kind of he stops, and he, you see him, like, kind of twitch a little bit, like, his head uh, to the side, as though he's, like, hearing something, you know, the same way you might distantly hear, like, uh, like, you, you know, like, grasshoppers, it's not grasshoppers that make noises, you know what I mean, uh, like, where you distantly yeah. hear, like, bugs uh, doing their thing in the night, uh, and he's, and, you know, it's like he's he's distantly hearing one, a cricket doing something somewhere, and... He starts kind of turning away a little bit and kind of starts moving his hand away from you and aiming it somewhere else. And is like, you said yourself, some of the you, some of the Transforce users will very much decide to aim their devices towards the sun and use that as a way of connection, but that is just a small aspect of what people can do. There are other ways to connect to the Transforce. Maybe if you can find some of those, they'll be able to aid you in your journey, in your journey, in your mission. Maybe even maybe even assist you in giving the wielders an extra edge. Many things are made from the Transforce, controlled by the Transforce, allow people such as us to use different abilities. And then uh, it's Ace who actually pipes up at this point, and he's just like little marbles that got stars in them called showpiece ornaments, and you got these like. 
sometimes they're just cards. They're just cards. Like, you know, they, they, they look like they're just like, oh, this is like a tarot deck card or something like that. But it's got a weird thing on the front. It glows. And you go, bam! And it gives you, you know, different alternate forms. And, like, some of them are called fortune favors. And some of them are called, like, fortune identifiers. Uh, uh, there are coins that let you, like, t that let you become an animal. Although you're already looking like a pretty hot cheater to me. And he keeps walking. All sorts of stuff like that. They all exist. Some of them are man-made. Most of them just fall out of the Transforce itself and they land somewhere. She seems to, like, perk an interest at specifically the cards. Like, cards? I mean, then just kind of gestures at the... You know, because everything on a, on these fucking things is semi-modular, she takes off, like, that thing on the side of the belt. It's like, I'm stupid. How could I not recognize what this is supposed to be? He turn. Uh, star, uh, it's Starman who turns, looking to you slightly. Like what? I hold it out. This isn't just like a non-functioning tablet. This is a deck holder. Ace gets real close. He's looking at it. Hmm. So like this. Uh, this is absolute zero years. She was. She was looking for these. She must have been, and I reattach it, because I'm pretty sure I would at least know if there was a card in there already or not, but uh, that's. But who knows? She's only had this thing for like two weeks, and she's been on the run that whole time. <laughs> but, um, she continues, uh, yeah, she must have been, yeah, she must have been. Alright, that starts kind of pacing a little bit. Oh, that's something, that's something. That's huge, actually. So if I can get my hands on one of these cards... Maybe that'll help with the suit's power power situation. Like, her brain's, like, starting to work. Like, the gears are going. Starman uh, turns looking at Ace. And is, and, uh, is like, Ace, go go upstairs. Get the, get, the, get, get the box. And Ace is like, you got it, you got it, Pops. And he turns and runs away from you. Uh, you know, heads on up. And Starman looks to you. I'm detecting something strange, and I feel like I should inform you of it, because it feels like it's relevant to you. And, you know, I kind of come down from, like, the, ah, oh, this is a lead, this is something, and I go back into kind of, like, serious, like, we're having a serious conversation mode, and I... I get prepared for bad news, and she says, uh, lay it on me. I'm detecting somewhere else, another, another energy source. It's like... I mean, I'm currently attuned to your strange lack of one, and I'm detecting another. Matches yours. She, and I think she just immediately, like, catches on, like, do you think that there's someone else out there like me? No. And I, it's not someone like you. I'd be able to sense if it was a, I'd be able to sense at least a little bit if it was a living organism. No, no, no. It's something that's been tuned to your energy. And then just kind of like that, like, sense of, like, hope kind of, like, comes back to her. She's like, so maybe like a palisade or something, right? You said it yourself. Those things are connected to their respective, just to use the word, wielder by color or lack of one. Yeah, that was the guess that I was about to make thing doesn't feel like it's a living organism so it's gotta be something like that a palisade of a sort or something similar that's meant to be tuned to you like this 
she seems a little proud of herself that she was able to figure that out. Do you know which way it was? I do know which way it is. Matter of fact, I can give you an exact location. And that's the bad news. Oh, no. It's out in uh, Canastota, New York. Which, by itself, isn't any bad news, necessarily. Small town. Not much there. However, the issue for you, because I know you have somewhere to be, is that I know that you got here by, by way of the bus that's traveling around the Greyhound or whatever. And, well... No Greyhound that's leaving Black Star is going towards Canastota. So if you want to get there and find out whatever's whatever might be around there, I mean, you're going to have to delay on the way towards Last Light quite a bit. There's a pause in her as she's, like, having to math it out, but then I think just sort of... I think does the motion, kind of slams hand him into a fist, and she's like, if, I, if you're able to figure it out, that means that she must know, she might know too. I should try to beat her there. A delay is worth it. I suppose, if you insist. He, like, reaches forward, uh, you know, holds out his fist, and, uh, like, holds his fist out forward, and the, all that, like, pink energy that's on him starts to, like... It almost seems like it starts to, like, you know, fleck away, like, it's ash for a brief moment before it seems like it all just gets sucked back into his skin, and then, you know, Smith Jettison is standing there before you again. You know, fucking in his uh, dress shirt and his slacks and all. Yeah, and I go to polite demorph and as you demorph ace comes a uh, wandering down he's carrying a little wooden box and he hands it to smith and smith is just like thank you ace and ace is like no problem and smith looks to you you can stay the night ace here will get you will get you to canistota in the morning thank you i can't tell you how much i appreciate it especially because i feel like i've asked so much of you already you have and uh she says i can't promise you a lot not right now, but if there's ever anything you need and I can do for you, let me know. Name it. I'll keep it in mind. You have a way of contact in case we ever need such a thing? She, uh, reaches, she holds up hand, reaches into pocket. Yes, but I might need to ask for one more thing. What? Holds out, like, her old cell phone because she did take that when she ran. Do you have, like, a uh, like a wallet that I could just borrow. This ran out of charge like super long ago. <sighs> we cut to uh, some time later as your phone is charging. Uh, he's wandered away uh, and you're, you're like, your phone is charging now. You're sat here in the living room with Ace uh, he, and Smith has gone to the kitchen and is making food. Ace kind of leans forward and is just like so, you said your mom trained you? Yeah, uh, basically. Is she, is she hot too? Prolonged silence as I stare off into the void. Looks back at him. Did you not... Did you miss the part where I said... Possibly part fascist? Listen. Just because she's evil doesn't mean she's not hot. Part fascist! He leans back slightly. Hmm. So what you're telling me is that you don't want to say because you know she is. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Have fun. She gets up to walk away. And she's not going to sneak out the window or anything, but she's going to stay in there for as long as possible. <laughs> Nods. You end up being allowed in to stay in there for like 15 minutes. 
I come out in 15 minutes on the dot. <laughs> when you wander back out of the bathroom after, you know, some time, you see, uh, you know, Smith is there. Uh, he is placed like out on these pl- on plates for all three of y'all. Uh, what seems to what seems to be like pizza that he has baked and crafted himself. It looks amazing. It does. It looks fa- it looks great. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, this looks wonderful. Yeah, well, one of the few good things about being in Last Light for the little bit of time that that I was that I did live there is just the fact that well, it's it's, it's not far from New York City, and that means that they both got good pizza. So, of course, I made sure to learn how to make it during one of my trips back. She's picking up the slice, and she says, I've heard of Le- I've heard of the pizza in Last Lake. Don't they have pizza? It's italicized like it's a business. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, they do. Up in the, up in the old quarter. Pizza. Objectively the best pizza in the state. And she looks to him. Is it true? There's many who deny it. There's some who say it's... There's some who say it's impossible. Personally, I've never tasted better pizza. No matter where I've been. Wow. Yeah, admittedly, one of the few things I do that I, I do miss about the city. And I almost, and almost tempts me to go back every once in a while. Food. Pizza. Uh, and, specifically the, and specifically the restaurant, Pizza. One day maybe they'll get a better name. Uh, Cream and Sugars is back down there. It's... Uh, a lot of good stuff, but not not always worth the hassle. And Ace pipes up and is like, "Well, I'm gonna be in Last Light eventually. And I'm looking forward to eating all the food that he doesn't want to eat because he's too busy hating the city." And uh, and and Winter responds, "Well, I'm gonna be there. Well, I'm gonna be there first and longer. So I'm gonna be hitting them all up first, I suppose." And very small speech bubble. If I can find the money, and Ace just and Ace just says, mm, "Lucky." Well, Smith here is to be believed. Uh, not. It sounds like it's going to come with its own whole host of problems. Yeah. Ace, Ace responds. Pops here is just a is just a, a pessimistic old. And he, and Smith looks up at him. Ace does not finish the end of that insult. Me. I got a I got a brighter view. I'm pre- I think last light. Everything I hear about it, it's a, it's pretty good. Now don't get me wrong. There's a lot of bad stuff down there. Things have happened, but I mean, come on, last light's practically the center of this whole stupid uh, hero world. It's a mass. It's a cultural landmark of a location. Between the food, I mean the schools that are down there, like you know, there's a lot of stuff. And I may be functionally 19, but you know. They got colleges too. Then he looks at you, and more babes. He mentions colleges, and that remind, and you know, I just kind of think of Char- I think of just Charlene asking, "So where do you go?" And I just kind of, if I was looking like I was having fun, I kind of just look miserable, like not like, oh, I'm so sad, and miserable, but like, oh, I just got reminded of something, and I just kind of got reminded of something I've been pushing deep down. And Ace, uh, he kind of perceives that, and is like, "Oh, did I remind you like a?" Like a bad breakup or something? I'm sorry. We weren't... No, um, it's just nothing like that. Just, he puts an arm around your shoulder and he's like, you know, I got a shoulder that you can cry on anytime that you need. Right here. No, no. We weren't anything. It was nothing. She's just a random person I met. Oh, that's what we tell ourselves every time, babe. I get it. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. 
He pats your shoulder still. It's fine. Just, I mean, literally, just some. We were just happened to be on the same Greyhound to Gear Creek. She was just coming from. She was coming from Last Light to there to Gear Creek. So, shrugs. Last Light's massive. There's no, no way I'm ever gonna see her again. I'd be. I don't. I doubt she even remembers me. You see it. Smith doesn't say anything. He just like shakes his head. Like he's sta- he's staring down at his pizza. He takes a bite out of it. And he just shakes his head when you say that. And I look at him like, what does that mean? <laughs> She's like, what? And Smith just sh- he shakes his head again. Don't don't worry about it. You'll find out sooner rather than later. What does that mean? And he leans forward and uh, you know sort of puts his food down and uh, goes into that little uh, that little box that he's got there. Here, for your troubles, for your for your travels along as well. And he starts thumbing through like a collection of stuff that's in there, and he pulls out uh, you know what seems to be this little like card sleeve, and holds it out to you. I take it and I look. I look at it. You see along the front of this card, there's this sort of holographic sort of like rainbow effect, like a collectible card in like Yaguo or something like that. And the art that's on the front that is holographic depicts this sort of starry energy, fiery figure somewhere in like the middle of the void holding out its hand and releasing some kind of burst of energy that seems to be sort of like going into another figure of a similar shape and form that seems to be like a different color and slightly weaker uh, in its sort of general glow. The back seems to have these sort of like, they're like barcodes almost, or like some kind of thing that's specifically designed, like you slot it into something and it kind of scans it, and on the front of it you can see shimmering with this chromatic electric energy, just the name the stars and she is taking a moment to marvel at it and she just kind of says almost offhandedly the star if I'm correct potential hope prospects light or loss abandonment tons of things tarot is meaningless in a lot of ways and in a lot of ways it isn't we read what we need to read from it. Any gestures. Don't worry about what the meanings of these cards are. Worry about what that card does for you. Most cards give you fancy new transformations or access to new powers. The star is not one of those. Star will uh, basically give you a free full charge on that belt of yours whenever you need it. But it'll only do it, but it'll only do it once before it needs to take its own time to charge for itself. As uh, she looks at it and says, You know, it's funny that you say, uh, Don't think about what they mean. The star, when you need it most, a bit of hope in your pocket from none other than Starman. I think for the first time, she's like actually smiling and she's like kind of pondering the irony of his own statement. And uh, she, uh, I think, like maybe like just because, you know, sometimes in genre, they can just, she pulls out that card holder, just if nothing else, just to put, just to put it in there. And he. He kind of just shakes his head. Don't start trying to get sentimental with me, kid. Uh, he stands up. 
I'm going to put the leftovers away and then get to sleep. These old bones aren't made for staying up this late. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably do the same. I, I, my bones aren't old, but it sounds like I've got a day ahead of me and pauses. Has to think, when was the last time I slept in a bed? I slept on couches, if I was lucky, and greyhounds, mostly. And grass, a lot. Actually, yeah, just sleep sounds great. Period. <laughs> and Smith is just like, Ace, hey, get her to the guest room. I'll get all this stuff put away. And Ace is like, you got it. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, stains you up, has you carry your plate and your pizza so you can finish eating along the way, and just, like, shows you to where the guest room is. It's on the second floor up there. Nodding, and, uh, you know, I think mostly just what, just having this talking to Ace, like, once again, uh, thanks for, thanks to both of you uh, giving me, a, letting me crash here, and uh, thanks tomorrow for the ride in advance. I pauses. I know you're basically flying into enemy territory. There's nothing There's nothing that you need to worry about, because there's nothing that can take down Ace Armando. Good, and I know I'm flying with someone competent. And you know, as he, you know, he, he shows you, in, like, where the guest room is, and you know, it's just, you know, this very sparse, empty room that's got a bed in the middle, uh, and, you know, not much else, because why would they decorate the guest room? He's just like, you know, if you need anything, anything at all, steps back, uh, pushes uh, pushes a door that's directly opposite where the guest room door is, reveals, you know, fucking this room that's got, like, computer setup and a desk and, like, posters of all sorts of various things all around. One of them, atop, like, across the top of the window is, like, very clearly the spread from, like, a Playboy or something. He's just like, I'm right across the hall. You could tell by the panel that she's staring at the Playboy and then looks away before he notices. She's like, actually, I, I appreciate it. I just, uh, sleep. Shut store. He, he stands there in front of the door after you shut it. He shrugs. Ah, shy girl can't resist the charm. I understand. We'll get there. He turns, he wanders back into his room. You're, uh, you're in, now you're, uh, in this guest room, you know? Empty room, your stuff's on the floor, you've got a bed that you can sleep in tonight. I think just for the, I think just lays down on bed, I think just takes, I think literally just takes off jacket and shoes. I don't really have anything to change into to sleep in. Just takes off the jacket, glasses, shoes, and gloves that I'm wearing. Uh, just falls on bed, lays flat, stares at ceiling. I think just kind of says to nobody. I think just maybe even picks off the belt. Somewhere out there is the absence of color. The only other thing on planet Earth that can understand what that's like. I wonder what you're like. Or if you're just going to try and kill me too. I think she does lay the, the drive. I think she puts the driver in like... I'm, is there, I'm, there's like, is there, I imagine there's like a nightstand with a drawer. She kind of hides it in there because like, she'll hear if someone's trying to open a drawer. Um, and I think just cause she doesn't really want to think about it like right now. And, uh, I think she just sort of just leans back and something she's trying to get out of her head because she's trying to do form a battle plan for tomorrow. She's trying to wonder what this pal, 
palaston of her hers is gonna be like. She's trying to think about all this, but all she can really wonder is, she wonders if Angelica and her dad are in danger. But she's but the biggest thing that's on her mind because she can at least confirm Angelica will probably be safe, because you know that was over and done with. Angelica and her dad didn't really like super help me not to the like they mostly just gave me a place to sleep and something to eat charlene was with me like that whole day and she's just wondering that girl charlene i wonder if she's in danger because of me Welcome to the ad pages. This is a little interlude in our issue where we ask you to take a break with us as we show off some scenes happening elsewhere. Sometimes they're advertisements, sometimes they're just scenes from other stories in the big wide world of Last Light Comics. Let's see what the pages hold for us today. Charlene Summerfield. You are currently in the museum park area for, well, you know, Agathor's arm in Gear Creek. You've just had quite an experience. You saw Starman, Star Kid, and <laughs> I wouldn't say said goodbye to, but uh, was abruptly separated from this Alicia girl who turned out to be a superhero and transformed in front of you before running away. And now you're standing directly outside of the office door for a Professor Montclair, who you were supposed to be going with Alicia to ask some questions to. What's running through your head right now? Um, I think what's running through my head is a uh, there's uh, two wolves, as one would say. One is saying, why bother? She's gone. Like, I don't, I don't need to involve myself in this any further. The other wolf, and it's the wolf that's winning this argument, is saying, I have to know more. This is the most interesting fucking thing that's happened to me in my whole life, and I cannot let this go. But I still can't believe I would find myself here. You know? And I don't mean, like, you know, in the sense of, ugh, what am I doing here? But, like, me. Like, as just somebody, you know? Somebody who's just a couple of days away from spring break be being over, you know? Yeah, no, just like, you know, this is the kind of shit that, like, you read about superheroes getting into. This is the kind of shit that you hear, like, Thorne gets into in the papers after the case is already done. This is, like, what I, what the kind of shit we'd pretend in the playground or, you know, meme about in a Discord call. It's real. And I think that's kind of exciting, but kind of nerve-wracking. The security dude at the front desk said that uh, Montclair was, you know, expecting you since he called over after you, ended, you know, ended up back inside the museum. Uh, so, really, it's just waiting on you to open that door. And, uh, you know, Mama taught me right. I knock, I knock first. A voice from inside uh, calls out and, you know, just says, Yes, come in. 
And uh, I, in fact, do. Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, Dr. Montclair? Professor Montclair, please sit down, sit down. Uh, right, right. As, uh, you know, uh, walks over, goes to sit down. Uh, th- uh, thank you for seeing me. Um, uh, it is no problem. I recognize you. You were outside when all of the excitement was happening. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Excitement's a way to put it. Um, and, you know, it's just like shuffles, like opens the notepad with the questions I wrote down on it because I knew I'd forget to ask them if I didn't. And, and Professor Montclair, who is not even looking at you, to be honest, is like staring out the window and just says, ah, excitement is exactly the way that I would put it. I mean, it has been such a long, 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 long time since we have had anything like that happen in Gear Creek. Oh, to see Starman again. Oh, we've had stuff like that happen in Gear Creek? Oh, yes, yes. Long time ago. Long time ago. Sometimes small things happen, of course, because small things happen everywhere, but oh, it's been such a long time since we've had anything like that. Uh, Eureka, Eureka. The wielders of light, right? They're the ones who do stuff like that. Looks up at you suddenly, out of nowhere. Smirks. No, that's a name. I, I would not expect anyone... Who looks of your age to... No, how old are you? 18. And so was the girl who transformed looking and was looking for them. Turns away from, like, looking out the window and, like, turns really focusing on you. Is that, that girl? She smirks, not in the sense of, like, I'm going to totally own this old man, but in the sense of, like, you know, just a like a tick that she's, like, getting invested in something. Leans forward. Professor, I think we can help each other out. Please, go on. I, I seek to hear far more. Well, kind of just turns, pa- like, turns page in journal. You ask me, I ask you. Sound fair? Right. I do not know if I have many questions to ask, but uh, it sounds fair enough to me. As she uh, says, um, as she says, so these wielders of light, what do you know about them? <laughs> what don't I know about them? Well, that's a certain, that is a trick question. The thing I do not know about them is who they are. I do not know who was under those helmets. But everything else I, I know very well. Oh, red nitro, blue propeller, violet turbine, pink tow line, black fast lane, yellow overhaul, the master rider. They uh, they operated out of a collection of desert land just outside of the city of Last Light. They fought for years and years, from 1987 until 2001, against forces mostly beyond our comprehension, but mostly from beyond the stars. A Mars witch named Lita who wished to turn the world into a playground. The Null Skull, the leader of a fascist death cult that seeked to use the Transforce to... something. Something. Clench's fist. I never did get that answer. Probably something like the Romans would do. Hmm. Something like the Romans would do, indeed. And, of course, Emperor Girmagor of the Cybers Empire who seek to mechanize all of Earth. 
They did battle with them for years and years, with many other allies who I know less well, but fought for years. I studied them for quite an early part of my career. Scribbles down notes. And I think she goes on just to, I think she goes on to just, you know, keep pushing. You studied them? I'm surprised you you studied them, so you're some kind of expert on the, uh, she has to kind of stop to think of, like, what that belt was talking about. Insert clip here. Um, does the does the term pals mean anything to you? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, pro- the protector against large... Something. <clears throat> the, the S was always different depending on the, the problem that they dealt with. But it was the... The things that the wielders of light, they would pilot whenever they needed to fight big monsters. Yes, is a stand-in. That's yes, is her stand-in. That's pretty handy. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I believe it used to stand for storms, shells, scores, scares, and cybernetics. That's a stretch. Yeah, uh, well, we do. We 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 all have to make stretches when we're working with uncertain sciences, I suppose. I suppose. But yes, we did. I studied them quite a bit. I well, I hoped that I would be able to learn. Exactly how everything that they did worked. All of their everything functioned. How it all played out the way that it does. Their technology was always so fascinating. The power that they harnessed was always so curious. Back when I still lived down in the city, of course, I was always fascinated with them. Everything that I did once I discovered them specifically was dedicated to trying to understand them. And there have been others like them, long before them, but when I was a younger man, in general, they were the most prominent people using those powers. And for the longest time, the only team of them. Everyone else, they were all solo acts, you know. But then there was that. A team of them. That's odd. I can't imagine superheroes trying to all be solo acts. Yes, I did not ever find a specific answer. There was at least not a common answer. Some simply believed that uh, doing what they do meant that they needed to be alone. Some believed that they had to, well, simply travel as far as they could, uh, and thus did not need to be bogged down with other specific dedicated teammates. And many, as far as I could tell, just simply received their powers alone, and thus worked alone huh yeah that sounds like what that girl was spouting a little bit at least now who is this girl she gave me a name um alicia uh, flips notes alicia and when she transformed um she announced herself as writer um i think it's spelled with a y don't ask how i figured that one out it's the enunci- it had to be there for the enunciation no second question to match your second question there why are you and her looking into the wielders? She was real cagey about it, but if I were to guess, it has something to do with that monster that attacked. <sighs> yes, indeed. We haven't gotten monsters like that out here in a very long time. Uh, Starman deals with them, those kinds of monsters from time to time, but that one was different. Those, the ones that Starman usually deals with, they're weirder, you know, more... Clearly alien in origin. 
And that was a gecko. And a, a wordy one at that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's, uh, I, it's, it's a strange feeling, you know. You never think that you'll be nostalgic to hear monsters <laughs> doing their speeches. But uh, it's been so long since I've gotten to be close enough to one of those to actually hear one. Oh, I was uh, definitely close to it myself. I uh, hit one of its minions with a stick. Oh, God bless. Good for you. <laughs> uh, I, she needed help. Uh, that is... Uh, it's a weird sense, I think, comes with being uh, close to superheroes. But in my experience, is even more of an, I don't know, an effect of being close to... Heroes like that. Those ones that transform the way they do. It makes you feel like you can do anything if they could. Kind of, yes. Me and my... Uh, it was myself, and I had two assistants long ago, long ago, back in the uh, late 90s or so, who were also very interested in the Wheels of Light. They had been... Dare I say, they had been... By the time I met them, these two, they had been... Interested is the way to put it in the Wielders of Light for much longer than I was even aware of that team's existence. They had known them as best I can tell when the when the members of that team were still very young, you know, like still teenagers, and I was studying them when they must have been already into their twenties, thirties, maybe. They never stopped to speak. To, you never stop. They never stopped to speak to you. Well, we spoke from time to time, but stops. Kind of leans back in his chair. KG. Yes, this is a good word to put it. They were very, very careful about ever giving up too much information about anything. Half, as best I could tell, because I think that that little robot that uh, sometimes was out there with them was very interested in keeping secrets about what it is, of how their powers worked, which I understand, in fairness. Every single, every single enemy that they fought also wanted to harness that same power, so I I understand that. But also, I believe because they simply wanted to keep uh, secret identities. They did not want anyone to know who was underneath those helmets. And, well, it worked, as best I can tell. They retired, and no one has heard from them ever since. Uh, and, no, and to this day, the people that do know about them, no one knows their names. Me and my, my associates, we were... Technically, I'd call us allies to them. We assisted them at, at several points. They had been on and off finding themselves in the middle of, of the wielders' situations for nearly a decade by the time I showed up. And I assisted uh, a little bit to help them with their, uh, you know, their dealings with Girmadgor and the Cybers Empire. Because I had been studying the stars long before I started studying them. Yeah, this Girmagor. Um, actually, I have a question about Girmagor. Go ahead. Do you think that creature was could have been like one of the ones made by Girmagor? It definitely wasn't like a real gecko. I have a gecko at home. I I can tell you, it's nothing like that. Uh, yes, I would say so. I would say very, very directly even, yes, that it looked quite similar to something that Girmagor would make. It's not too far off, really, from things that Lita would have made as well, except Lita's always looked a little more, like, made of Play-Doh, is probably the best way to put it. Um, and Girmagor has definitely looked more mechanical than that, but 
They have very much similarities to what that that thing was. Oh, but the uh, Null Skull's very different. Very different. <laughs> like it. So you, so you think there's like some kind of copycat? Perhaps. It has been a very long time. And again, monsters with a similar nature to what that one was definitely still exist. I'm sure that, uh, for example, Starman, again, is always dealing with things that are of a similar nature. But yes, copycat might be the incorrect term. It could simply be that there's somebody else out there who has found whatever method it is that those villains had to creating their own creatures and is now making their own too. Well, here, I actually got a uh, photo of it. Sorry, phone screen got a little cracked in the everything. Here. Hmm. Look at that. Anything gleam off of you about it? Screwdriver. A Razor Scooter. The gecko. I'm sorry? Razor scooter. Right there. See? That was what he was swinging around. Going wee with. Yeah, see? Yeah, yes, I heard you, but what do you mean by that sequence of words? That is, it is the formula. The formula? It's how those monsters are always made. It is a creature of some kind, and then an object they wield as a weapon, and then an object that is like a, a second thing that they have. Sometimes it's armor, sometimes it's like a second weapon. You know. <laughs> Sounds, uh... Oh, no, you need to understand. It is, it is exactly how it always works. There is, oh, what was it? It was, um... Moth, shotgun, mint. That is one I remember very well. <laughs> sounds like it was from. Sounds like it was from the eighties. Oh, it was from nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> so basically, the eighties. Uh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say so. Um, it was, you know, it was something. It, it, it shot re- It shot mints out of that shotgun, and sometimes it shot shotgun shells out of that shotgun. Fucking. <laughs> 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 it was a coin flip each time. <laughs> and. Oh, that's, that's how it worked. Now, looking at that picture, yes, it's very, very, very distinct. It, looking at that picture, it, it is very, yes, yes, that is it. Like, just looking at it, I feel flashbacks coming to me about how that uh, unit used to function, how that whole, en- how all of that enemies used to be. Flicks through pictures as talking. Ah, uh, Yes. I've always been I've always been very curious about exactly how it is that they can create such things like this because they're not just simply machines they were not just simply putty of some kind or you know whatever it was clay like Lita had and it certainly wasn't whatever Null Skull was doing but still you know it's like a base model of something like filling plastic into a mold. Yes, yes, precisely, yes, yes. Uh, actually, one of the photos was like on its upper shoulder. Does this symbol mean anything to you? Squints and leans forward. Huh. Red snowflake. No, I do not recognize that symbol at all. It is not something I know. Stops, very silent for a while, staring at it. Looks up at you. Ah. I do not know anything about the wielders of light and where they are now. You know, I—they invited me to their um, 
retirement party when they finally hit the bricks. And I did not go, I'll be honest. I wanted to. I think it, I could have learned so much from actually getting to go inside of their secret headquarters. Why didn't you? I was getting married. Oh. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I needed to make I needed to make a call because it turned out their retirement and my wedding was the same weekend, and I chose my wife, and eventually moved out of Last Light because, well, without the wielders, I was not as interested in studying what was out there for their stuff their technology, their their energies, to keep studying it, I would have had to either remain in contact with them, which was impossible, or find those wild and roaming individuals who made use of those things. I suppose that the Masked Rider was still running around for a very short amount of time before they also, too, retired. Um, but... Last Light is a big city, and trying to find the Master Rider amidst everything else was not much. From what I understand, they rode off into the countryside eventually, just like everyone else did. But this feels like a kind of problem that they need. The Master Rider, did they look anything like this? And flicks to show a photo of Rider, like Rider Kick. <sighs> Similar. Not quite the same. This person here is a little bulkier in the armor. That V-crest up there is far more pronounced. The Master Rider's V-crest was smaller, and originally it wasn't even a v, it wasn't even a big V. It was little antennas. They look quite the same. There's a lot of similarity. Different color. Different color. Different colors. What was the color? Did I have looked up? I mean, it's not like I didn't do any of my own research. I mean. I did pull find a photo of them. I can't see the difference. Mm. Yeah. Squints. I, uh, it is more of a, a little bit more of a like a blue, blue, bluish kind of I, color. Does that matter? Mm. In the in the scheme of from what I understand of how the transformers works, yes, very much it matters. Colors are very specific. They do very specific things, um, except for when they don't. Turns away, start stands up, starts walking, starts like pacing around the office. Now I didn't know the I don't know the wielders. I do not know how to get in contact with them. I do not know where they are. But my two old associates, I do keep in touch with them. Maybe not not as regularly anymore, obviously. But uh, you know, you know, I, I try. Uh, and they knew the wielders much closer. Not. Again, I don't know if they ever found out who was underneath those helmets, and I assume if they ever did, they would have told me. But they talked to them. They had known them for years. They were always stuck in the middle of whatever the wielders were doing. Perhaps I give them a call. See if they can find their way back to that team, or if they have any way of doing so. You said they're in the city, right? Last light, right? Only one of them still in the city. The other one uh, also moved out uh, far out into the country to, you know, keep living. Oh gosh, they must both be in their fifties now. I knew that when they were when they were twenty-five. As she responds, you think the one in Last Light has a spare bed? Uh, probably. Ah, uh, let's say I think I know somebody who could use it, if I can find her. 
Let me. You sit right there. Let me. Let me make a call. Uh, one last question. Yes. What is? Um. Does the name uh. Twilight Rollers University for smart people in a uh, Albany mean anything to you? That was my alma mater. Oh, uh, do you have a phone number for that? I can. Oh yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll get you that right away. Ah, thank you. I couldn't find anything online. He wanders over. He goes to his desk and he pulls out a fucking like a little book. He starts flipping through. Uh, he shows uh, you a specific like page of the book, and you can see right there, Twilight Rollers University for Smart People in Albany, uh, and it's and like the phone number for the like office there. Uh, I am in shock and disbelief, but I write. She takes down the phone number. She'll handle that call later. <laughs> and he uh, takes the book back. He starts flipping through, and he picks up. Uh, like his office phone and dials in a number while he's staring at the page and you can hear the ringing through that office phone for a moment and when it finally comes through he just says yes femur yes it's me montclair it's about the wielders of light and that's the scene It's there that we like kind of you know fade forward and fast forward to the next uh, day the sun is shining in through like the window of this guest room uh, regardless of if you've closed the blinds or not it's like you know yeah something like 7 a.m. and you know uh, you the sun is like shining into your eyes uh, to start waking you up and I think just I don't think she remembers falling asleep but she did and she and she's like you know how, like, the first time you sleep in, like, a comfy bed after a long time of not being very comfy, you, your, your back kind of hurts a little bit because you're, like, not used to it? And that's what she's kind of getting up with. Checks around the room when I wake up. As you're checking, as you're starting to wake yourself up, that's when, uh, very quickly, uh, there's just, like, the abrupt sound of just fucking, like, knocking at the at the door to your room very quick, very frantic, just... Hey! Hi. Hey! When are you in there? Because if you're in there and you're not uh, decent, I'm kicking the door in anyway, and you better get dressed quick. We gotta move, we gotta move. And uh, he kicks the door in. It's, it's I, ace. There's a... In the in the comic of this, there's a panel where I was just in like my shirt and jeans. In that next exact panel, I'm ex- inexplicably in my two jackets and my goggles <laughs> and my belt. We don't know what happened. And he looks at you and he's like... Come on, we gotta go. Grab your grab your shit. We're going to Canastota right now, right now. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Alright, I can't, I can't. As she, running by, picks up her doffel bag, shoulders it. Because everything I have to my name is in there. <laughs> no, it's, and Ace goes, uh, you know, running along, leading you with. And it's just like, you got everything? You got your belt and everything? Does like a quick pat down. Yep, yep, yep. Opens doffel bag. Yep. <laughs> Sick, and he's grabbing his uh, jacket off of like the top of the stairs as he's running his way down. He's he's pulling uh, his, the sunglasses out of the uh, pocket and slipping them onto his face. And it's at this point that you that you you know find that you really start to hear it now that you're a awake and b like you know now alert. There's the sound of like you know 
blasters being fired and uh, like miniature explosions and things being punched. And you can see out on the street, Starman's fighting a bunch of snowflakes. Shit. Is he going to be okay? The uh, ace looks at you. The only time that he slows down, he looks at you with this look that just says, "Did you just ask me a stupid question?" I, I look worried because Squid. I I don't know anybody else who does this. I don't have any frame of reference. He shakes his head. Starman is gonna be fine. A bunch of robots and one monster. He squints, looking down. What is that? A notebook, antelope. We'll be fine. And she says. And then she's looking and she says, how does that fit in with the equation? Never mind. <laughs> Turns. And as we're leaving, she just very briefly explains, there's always a formula. I don't know. We, to... we have a long ride. You can tell me then. All right, then let's go. He rushes you out the back door to the backyard. Uh, and, you know, there's still the distant sound of, of Starman as he's punching his way through just more of these robots, making his way towards antelope deer called Notalope as he's declaring his name. <laughs> And she's like, that's what I mean, by the way. I don't get a choice. Turns, they just tell me. <sighs> Listen, again, you can tell me along the way. And he, like, stops in the middle. He, like, holds out his arms and starts, like, channeling all that orange energy that, you know, you see him transform into that, like, orange, fiery form again. And he turns and says, last chance, you missing anything? Yeah, I look in my bag and the camera focuses on a, a pen. It was from, it was a, literally just a sign-in pen. I just grabbed it and forgot to put it back. And she's like, yeah, I've got everything. All right. And he wraps his arms around you, and much like last night, he just zooms off and takes off into the sky at top speed. Uh, you know, you're and you're moving faster than you've ever thought you could move again. But this time, when he, fly, he flies straight up, and then when he, you know, reaches a point and just takes a, a sudden 90-degree turn going in another direction, rather than, you know only going for another couple of seconds now you're just flying going further and further as he's as beneath you is just fucking beneath you currently is is just like the highways and the wilderness of uh, upstate new york uh, and the only thing that's keeping you from falling to your death is holding on to this this powerful transforce energy boy nods and i think just to not focus on going fast i look back at the fight going on if, even if it's going to go out of view quickly, man, I still feel like that's on me, you know? Like, that's a hundred on me. And our last shot uh, that's in this book uh, for this particular issue is you're looking back and we see the slowly fading, you know, bright uh, pink neon uh, of Starman as he continues to punch through and you know just slam his way through the snowflakes but he, but you know the light gets further and further away and somewhere distantly ahead of you in the vague direction of last light despite how far you away you are from it it's as though you can see a steady blinking light somewhere far off beckoning you to come to it to make it there and the birds are still singing and that's our issue today. Thank you for listening to Last Light City Comics. This episode was played using a... 
Let's not kid ourselves here. This episode is GM'd by Justin, a.k.a. Hyper, who can be found on Twitter at Radio Air Hyper. Harmony Winters, a.k.a. Ryder, is played by Danny Hart, who can be found on Twitter at Batty Danny. That's B-A-T-T-I-D-A-N-N-I, all one word, and at her website, battydanny.weebly.com. The voice of the glory driver is Sarah, who can be found making stuff with Flying Goose Studios at FGS underscore audio. The Rider Unlimited theme was made by me. Music for this episode was provided by Piss Hydrants Forever. You can follow the show on Twitter at LastLightPod, and feel free to leave a review and tell your friends. You can find the comic that Danny and I make together on Twitter at PaperStarsComic, all one word. Special thanks go out to The Observer 138. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may the Force fight for you, and may the power preserve you.